It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. It's that time. Conduits of Trouble, Zolgad and Star Tribune sports columnist extraordinaire Chip Scoggins, my buddy. We always talk um, sports once a week here on Conduits and Chipper. We will start with this because it's one of the most fun things. We're recording this on Friday at um, 1230 or so. Game 7, Wild Golden Knights tonight. Um, I am telling people this. Enjoy it. They're, yeah. they're rare. They're fun. Now, I actually have a pretty good feeling about this game. But um, Game 7s, especially in hockey, I think, are just so fun that, that this is – there's going to be expectations, in my opinion, going into 2021-22. This has sort of been an unexpected surprise how well the Wild has fared this season. And I think that this is a really good time to sort of sit back and enjoy the success and, and the fact that after being down 3-1 and looking dead yeah. after they lost two home games – uh, to get this thing back to Vegas for a final game. Yeah, and, and um, you never want to say anything that happens is gravy, right? Because you want to, I mean, they're, right. they're in this position, and you got a chance here to to advance. But, I mean, this season always felt like a stepping stone. And for them to put themselves back in position to have a chance to advance and win a series, think about what this means for kind of their overall vision and plan for moving forward with these young guys in this nucleus and uh, having Billy Garen and, and uh, Dean figure out who can you rely on and who's going to be part of your, your foundation. And I think they're finding out, you know, now some of these are older guys that you may have to resign or whatever, but I mean, when you look at the young guys contributing what this means for uh, Kaprizov um, and, and Sturm, and to be in, the, you know, in these type of games, man, it's just going to be invaluable for this organization going forward. Game six was not aesthetically pleasing. So it, it was not a great game to watch. But I will say this, starting from, uh, from Dean's standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, I was really impressed with the adjustments and how basically the Wild finally found the formula to slow the Golden Knights down. Uh, so it wasn't like a great game to watch from the press box or on TV, but the plan itself w- was outstanding. And I, and I t- told you this between, I think the second and third period, I thought somewhere Jacques Lemaire might shed a tear <laughs> for the, Oh, that that performance yeah. lead to what we saw in covering the 2003 run. You know what, Judd? Um, maybe I have low standards, but I found that game 
entertaining. And maybe, well, maybe the third period was, but I thought the first two periods weren't. Maybe because of the drama. Maybe it was dramatic because oh, you, yeah. you um, just because of the situation and, and it. At first, I thought, well, the first period, I thought, well, maybe they're just filling each other out. Because I think it was just like nine shots total. I think it was like five to four. And, and honestly, it was so tight checking, Judd, that like if you tried to make a pass, it was getting deflected. I mean, they could not. It kept going kind of uh, – it was not back and forth uh, in the way that we thought, like rushes and great chances. It was back and forth because the puck could get deflected every time they were trying to get it in the zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. It was the perfect game plan, and I think they realized you're not – they can't skate as fast as – they're not as big. You better really be all over them and smother them. And I think – how much of that do you think that has to do with personnel, but also Dean saying they're not calling anything in this series. They're going to let us grab each other, smother each other. If you're coming through the neutral zone, you're going to get mugged. You're going to get hooked. You're going to get interfered with. So we might as well do it and slow them down. Mm-hmm. I, I think part of this too is ultimately someday soon, probably as this team continues to improve chipper, I think that they can play the game like the golden Knights do now. Okay. So I think that they got, I think that the wild got intrigued by the fact that, you know, we, we could skate with them. We can play with them, blah, blah, blah. But the problem is this they can't yet and so yeah. i give dean credit for actually finding a formula of to what you said saying we have to slow them down we can't afford to play their style and that changes the series completely in fact i, I was surprised that dean didn't get to this like let's say in game four yeah it, and um you know it, it'd be interesting to hear from the vegas perspective of have they felt like they played their game? How much do they feel like it's them versus the way the Wild's playing them? Um, I have to think that doubt creeped in after game five when you outshoot them, what was it, 41 to 14? Is that the number? Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you, you just can't – you don't get through, and then all of a sudden, uh-oh, maybe they were a little tight the other night, you know, and, and not wanting to take as many chances as they ordinarily do because – Maybe the doubt's starting to creep in their mind, and and you can play these mind games all night. Like you looked at night, there's part of me thinking, okay, the Wild, if they're going to win, they're going to have to withstand a big push at some point in this game. Vegas, you know, is going to come out flying. But then, you, if you're looking at the other side, um, you can say, well, maybe Vegas is tight. They might play tight because you know they don't want to make a bad mistake that costs them the series. They're thinking about, oh my God, we're going to blow another three-one lead. Whereas there, so it's. That's why game sevens are so great, and especially in a situation like this where one team has a big lead, now all of a sudden the other team has the momentum and, and belief that they can go in there because they've already won there twice. Talbot's goal-tending two-chipper has been absolutely yeah. the difference. Um, this, you know, How long did we have the whole thing with Doomnik and you know the fluky goals, right? The, just the one mm-hmm. or two bad goals, but in, in a playoff series, that's an absolute killer. And the, yeah. fact, that, and the fact that when... Flurry was at the top of his game. Talbot played well. And then starting in game five was just outstanding. And in game one, he was outstanding as well. I mean, it is remarkable. It's cliched, but very true that if the starting point is goaltending and your guy struggles at all, you're in huge trouble. And I give Garen a ton of credit for identifying that pretty quickly. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, Dubnik was a popular guy, certainly with a fan base. 
And he moved on very quickly because he saw exactly what we had all seen for a few years. Well, and that's where Garrett, I think, uh, has taken the right approach, a very unemotional, I don't care what this player means to this organization. I don't care what he's done for this organization. I don't care how popular he is with fans or, or in the in the dressing room. Uh-huh. I at this team with a detached view and tell you what I think about it. And he came in and said, Golden is not good enough. You're not going to win with this goal, this goaltending situation. So he jettisoned him, and he did that with some popular players. Um, Zach Parisi. I mean, he put him on the train block and tried to trade him. And so, um, yeah, it's it's. I think it was long overdue that they needed a, you know, kind of a. And it, and, and I understand it. it is hard to trade popular players that are still you feel like maybe have something to give if you're trying to get younger, and it's it's not an easy thing to do. But I think with goaltending, I think most people we talked about, like you said, how long that like, gosh, this, you know, the, the Dubnik goal is coming. The one that just kind of is the backbreaker and you just can't, you can't live that way in the NHL where you just don't have a, a level of trust. And, and Talbot, um, you know, I, I can't say I have followed his career closely at all before this, but is this the best he's played in his career? Is this of, or is this how he's been? Is this no? He he was the main guy in Edmonton. What, what, the, what he's been before? So he he was the main guy in Edmonton a few years back, and he played a ton. And their defensive core obviously was not as good as this one is. Um, but then he sort of fell apart the next year. Got traded to Philadelphia for a cup of coffee. Spent last season in Calgary and played pretty well. Um, I'm guessing this is his best playoff stretch, though. I mean, he's been outstanding. But but they've also to to their credit, they signed him. And for the most part, when he's been healthy, have said, "You're our guy." The thing I like about him, and and it, you know, we we don't know a ton about these guys because we're not allowed in the room now with this being the pandemic and the age of Zoom chipper. But the thing I like about him on the Zooms too is he seems really flat lined, which I think is yeah. important. You know, Dubnik was always very up and down, and Devin was also like you try and explain away goals, which I always thought to myself. Just fall on the sword, dude. Uh, yeah, you know, he's yeah. trying to be like, well, the puck hadn't gone off the linesman there. I'm not going to – I don't think you get that from Cam. And and that doesn't make Devin a bad guy. But I sure. think – but I like – Exactly. And I like the way that Cam is wired because he seems to just be a flat-line, matter-of-fact guy. And I think there's something to that that's probably productive. Well, and Dean said that after game – was it one, anyone? He's like – when it, you know they faced the when it was twenty to whatever shots in the first and they're all over and he said that's who he is he's just calm he doesn't get rattled and I think that's probably what they were looking for from their from their goaltender situation just somebody who's a veteran presence who's seen it and doesn't you know is not up and down and you're right he's just kind of a he's a pro in there right I mean he just doesn't get rattled by anything and even in this series when it's you know you've had a couple periods where it just felt like the the entire period was played on their, in their zone. He's kept them in there and hasn't looked rattled by it. And I will say their defense has been pretty darn good too. I mean, whether it's blocking shots or, you know, taking away chances or um, that's one thing I love about playoff hockey. Uh, Judd is when you see guys just kind of throw their bodies down to the, to the ice to, to block a puck, knowing you're doing that, knowing this is probably going to hurt like hell, right? <laughs> Slap shot off the ankle or knee or yes. whatever. In 2003, I was looking at this today when game seven at Colorado when Matt Johnson blocked a puck with his head. Mm-hmm. Like he threw 
on the ice and, and blocked a shot with his head. It's like, you know, what sport do you see? I mean, it's just crazy that guys are, you know, just a sacrifice that they, they're willing to make. It's, it's awesome. I love that part of uh, this time of year. So I, I don't, I've grown not to believe in momentum in playoffs, Chip, from game to game. So, like, I, I do think – I think momentum exists within games, for sure. I don't think yeah. it translates from game to game. But I think what I used to think was momentum is actually – there is a there's a potential carry over from game to game. And I think the tempo that the Wild set in game six was, was good because I think what the Wild has going for them going into this game is they've got the Golden Knights thinking about what was done to them, which mm-hmm. – and the one thing that I saw – and this goes back to the success that the Wild had against the Golden Knights in the regular season when the Wild's forecheck was working against them. Vegas, when they get frustrated, does some dumb things, which a lot of teams do. Um, yeah. But I, but the Bukestead goal came off of what was a bad play trying to get into the Wild zone by the Golden Knights. So while I don't think that the Wild necessarily is carrying in momentum, per se, to this game, I do think that they have the Golden Knights thinking about what's going to be done. And it because if the Wild tries to skate with the Knights, the Knights are like, okay, cool, let's go back and forth. Let, let's do that. Uh, but if the Wild's like, we're going to clog up the neutral zone, we're going to slow things down and stand you up at our blue line, I think the Golden Knights are like, oh, crap, <laughs> this is lots of work. So it's not momentum to me, but it definitely is something that's going to be in the Golden Knights' mind about what changed for the Wild in game six. Yeah, I would call it probably more belief in the system and belief in the game plan than momentum. And um, obviously game five, you're not going to survive rope and dope hockey all the time. I mean, that, that was an outlier. <laughs> that's not a good blueprint. Well, and they still won. So that, that's all that matters. But game six definitely was a different field, different, different style and, and approach. And so when you went like that, now all of a sudden you're feeling great and, like holy cow, maybe we found the game plan that's going to slow them down and, and give us the advantage. So now you feel good, and maybe Vegas thinks, you know, we're going to have to play this style again. It's going to be, yep, it's, it's going to be tight check, and we're not going to have as many chances. And 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 then you have the other stuff that we talked about earlier. Just the, oh my god, there's a pressure. We don't want to be that team that blows a three one lead again. And that's just human nature. I mean, you can say, oh, we don't we don't pay attention to that. I don't buy it. I mean, every you know. You do not want to be the team that blows a 3-1 lead, especially after you did two years ago. And so whether it's in the back of your mind, front of your mind, whatever, you know darn well guys are thinking about it. So that's why I just feel like all the pressure's on Vegas tonight to try to figure out a different strategy to combat what the Wild did to them and you know he's going to do it again and then also harness whatever doubt or anxiety they might have about blowing a 3-1 lead. Yeah, because my – Original series prediction was the Golden Knights in six, and I thought that they would win game six. But I said if they lose game six, which they did, I think the Wild wins now. I really do. Yeah, I said gold. I said Vegas in seven, um, but I think I'd switch it. I, I think I'd switch to the Wild tonight. I just – it just feels like um, they found something last game, and they're feeling a lot better about where they're at, and – Vegas has some doubts. No, they're still good. And I, I still think <clears throat> whether it's first period, second period, third, there's going to be a stretch where Vegas is all over them. Mm-hmm. And I would make the saves and can they block some shots and, and weather it um, because it's going to happen. Um, and if they do, I think they win. I bet they come out hot tonight. 
The Knights do. Vegas or, or I, no, yeah, I think so. I, I bet the Knights come out trying to fly and but but the key there is you've got to muck that game up. What the yeah. what what can't there's two things in my opinion that can't happen early in this game. One is if Vegas comes out with the push that they're probably going to have, the wild uh the wild can't say, Okay, we'll skate with you because to me that's death. They've got to slow them down. The other thing that we'll find out early is what are the officials going to allow? That's it. Because if That's they it. call interference, both sides are in yeah. trouble, but the wild's really in trouble because the whole slowdown thing then um, gets, gets changed. So if they, if they basically do what the officiating crew did in game six, which is swallow their whistles for the entire game, the wild's going to be in good shape. And that means the wild won't, keep, won't get, some calls but in game six the fans were mad i'm like you should not be mad no both no. sides aren't getting calls which which actually is advantage to the wild yeah is it the same uh crew throughout the whole series judd uh no it, it's been changing so i think it'll be okay two reps. well and that's the thing it's like it's been <clears throat> the entire series has been how you swallow the whistles let these guys figure it out their own right yep um if that is suddenly does a 180 and now all of a sudden they're calling the interference and things, you know, one teams are both of them are gonna have to adjust because you don't want to spend the whole game killing penalties. But yeah, I think that would definitely benefit Vegas because that would allow them to kind of get their speed going and and uh, where they have the advantage. So yeah, I think I think as much as anything, see what you're going to be able to get away with early. You know, and if it, if it's more the same. I think the Wild has a great chance of winning. Twins have won four consecutive games. Sano <laughs> is on his annual or one of his uh, hot streaks. Do, do you feel different about this team since last time we talked about them? Well, I mean, you obviously have to factor in who they're playing, right? Right. You had 13 straight games um, against Baltimore and Kansas City, and they're in the middle of it now. Or, still in the front end. So if they were not going to play better now, it never was going to happen. And uh, so, I, I mean, I do feel better because you feel more optimistic because, you know, guys are starting to play a little better, teams playing better, um, while still recognizing, you know, this ain't the Yankees or Oakland or, who, you, you know, whoever. They're not, they're not playing the top team. So, um, but that's coming up after this stretch. It's right. It doesn't right. go – Houston, yeah, someone else is good. I think so. Seattle, um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I do think we're seeing signs of life. I'll say that, you know, um, which is, you know, I mean, and, and I do like, you know, the two young big sluggers that they have. I mean, it's it's great to see those guys here off in Larnick. You know, I mean, they're the future right now. I mean, I don't think you're going back and win the division. I mean, you know, what, what was the only two teams in history had started with their record was at 14 and 20, whatever it was had started and made the postseason. So the odds of doing it are, are not great, but, um, but it, it's, it's better than seeing what we were seeing. I'll say that. Yeah. So I'm with you. I'm not going to take anything seriously until they play the Yankees and Houston. You were supposed to be, like when this all started, right? You were supposed to be a, a contender to win a third consecutive division title, make the playoffs, hopefully win a playoff game. So if, if you know, Baltimore's a mess. They're not good. 
Yeah, the Royals, the Royals got off to a very nice start, but they are not great. And so, like, you should win. You should win these series. You should win the majority of games against the O's and KC. That being said, I'm curious to see when you play the Yankees and the Astros what transpires. But here's so here's my thing about this team as a whole. And while I'm pessimistic. If they do get hot, and let's say they, you know, let's say they go into the Yankee series in decent shape, that they played great for a week plus now against good teams, I don't think your bullpen is good enough. Like I think they misjudged it. Um, Colome, yeah. whenever he, whenever he pre- when when he's brought in in you know quote high pressure situations, seems to struggle. Duffy's velocity is still down. So mm-hmm. my feeling is this, if you really, if you thought, oh my God, we're turning this thing around and we're going to make a second half playoff run, your issue is, I think you would need to largely rebuild the bullpen at that point. And I, mm-hmm. that's hard and that's hard to do and expensive. So I just, I think that they shot on the bullpen and missed and it's going to be a problem. Yeah. That's the thing. When you're, you're facing really good lineups, in you know more pressure situations than Baltimore, yeah. How is the bullpen going to react? You know, and is your lineup and the guys that have struggled are they going to are they going to you know st- still hit against better pitching? Um, like Miguel Sano, is he going to adjust? Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, I, I mean you don't know, and so <clears throat> at least this gives them you know. It, it, Gives them some better feeling and you know, uh, sense that you know the sky's not falling as we as for the first stretch. But yeah, we need to see more against better competition for sure for you to say, okay, this seems starting to play like we thought it would. But I, the bullpen issues aren't going away unless right. you fix it, and so um, and that's and that's expensive. Yeah, and here's the thing, Judd, because it's fast approaching. And we've seen a couple of reports, and whether the reports or speculation, however you want to frame it. And, I, you know, Royce threw out a, a tweet the other night when Sano, or uh, when Barrios was, he didn't have a bad start, but it wasn't just dominant against the Orioles. I think he gave up, what, three runs in five innings? Or, in kind of, mm-hmm. or was it one run? I, it, it, he was struggling a little bit, not clean, but, um, you know, both him and Buxton, are going to want max value contracts. I mean, they're, you know, Brios is going to want to be paid like a one. Yes. Are you willing to do that? We, we've, we've talked about Buxton a lot uh, with Brios. Though, right. Royce so, said he thinks that, you know, if he keeps kind of struggling along that they'll trade him, but I, I just don't. Patrick thinks that, well, he, he believes that it would be a good idea to explore trading Brios and Rogers. Okay. Um, the Brios thing to me is really interesting because you're right. He he wants to be paid. Like he ain't giving them a hometown discount. He's going to be paid, and I I think he wants to be paid like a a one. Now he can't be paid like a true ace, but I mean he could. No, yeah, you know yeah. the Mets might pay him or a team Dodgers. Um, I would go to him right now, his people, and I would say, what's it going to take? Because if if you trade him, if you trade him at the deadline this year. You're going to get a lot. And by the way, there's no guarantee that we have baseball in 2022 because That's true. That's of true. the impending, what appears to be, work stoppage. My personal opinion is I don't want to trade him. I'd like yeah. to sign him. But, Judd, haven't they had a number of discussions with his agent the last yes, couple of years? 
That's the now, now you've had more time, so the deadline is farther out, so maybe it's not as serious. But but it also speaks to his side believes one thing, right? And um, as you get closer to a deadline, now I was talking to you know, Phil Miller in my papers, like the closer you get to that deadline, well, any agent is going to say, well, let's just wait till free agency. <laughs> why, why, why sign a deal that's not top uh, – top value now when you can get more on the open market. So it's, I don't know what that, that, you know, that month is or when it, you know, where the threshold is, but um, you're right. I, and I assume they are talking to him like, Hey, what's it going to take? Because you do not want to let him get the free agency. Um, yeah. Cause she's not coming back. No, no. Cause it, he's gone. Yeah. And so, but what does he want? Yeah. You know? And you know, you may be there. Might be a gap there between what you view him and what he wants. And I don't want to lose him because until no. until this supposed crop of pitching comes up, and it's not here, he's not your guy. But I mean, he, he's an organizational developed guy, and and he's not. Oh, yeah. You know what? We we have to accept the fact Jose Barrios is never going to be who we thought, but he's still a good pitcher. He's a two. He's a two. Exactly. He's a good two. But but I mean that. But but so so on. Sano is not going to be what we thought, and to me, he's a streaky d- disappointment, and I would try to trade him. Barrios is not going to be what we thought, but we thought true ace, which are hard to find. And to your point, mm-hmm. like, like he, he's a two, two and a half, but he's good in that role. And so, like, I'm not mm-hmm. anxious to trade him. Now, if he wants to get paid, you bring up a really interesting conundrum that they're going to face very soon here, which is... I am convinced you're not keeping both Buxton and Barrios. You're keeping one of them, maybe. Which one do you keep? I just don't see. They're both going to want to be both. No, because I think they're both going to want to be paid substantially. And Buxton's such a tease because when Buxton's going well, he's great. Um, somebody's go, somebody's going to pay either one of them more than you are willing to. I, I think the realistic, and I know this is going to result in people going to the uh, rooftops and shouting cheap poll ads. I think the realistic option shipper is you keep one, and the question is which one. Well, I think you always as as great as you know. And Buxton showed he's one of the you know premier players in baseball when he's healthy. What we saw the first half, I, they've struggled so long pitching Judd. And granted, he's not not the ace that we thought he was <clears throat> or going to be. I think at this point you, you pretty much say this is who he is, right? It's pretty good, but it's just not, you know, where, where you thought he might land. But um, yeah, the more you know, early in the season, I was like, you got to pay Buxton. I mean, this is a homegrown guy. He's your your team is so much better when he's out there. It'd be foolish. You can't just be cheap and not pay him. But I mean, John, I mean, how many games has he missed already this year? You know, know. and it and it's. He's only going to continue to get older, and these yeah. issues might just continue to pop up. So and slow down. That one's going to be fascinating. You know, the one the one guy if if they you know if they just kind of keep treading and they're not really doing anything and they and they do become sellers. I the two guys I said probably that I thought would get some value to contenders would be Maeda and Cruz. Um, I think Cruz for sure would would be a valuable bat to a contender probably would be willing to do it at his age. And at this point, if you're, what are you going to get for snow on a trade value? Right. I mean, he could be the age. Kirloff could play first. 
or you could, you know, platoon them and whatever you want to do. But right. um, those are two, if they become sellers, I think those are two you could probably get value for. So I don't think they'll trade Kenta because of the contract. Sure. It's yeah. so good and so team friendly and basically cheap. Um, but I mean, I do, I think we need to accept the fact that if this season just continues to so, sort of um, slog along, that the Barrios trade talk could be, could take place. Like I, I just, because if he says I'm, if he says I'm going to explore the market after 22, like at least if you trade him now, you're, you're maximizing for a team the rest of this year. And then potentially if there is a, a 22, as I said, my goal is not to trade him, but I could see where they will feel that they have to. And at that point in time, you keep, Maeda because the contract is good and it's got what chip three years left three years I believe yeah yeah so anyway but yeah it's there's there's huge questions here there's yeah it's so funny because that is the one thing that in the court of public opinion it's one thing not to go out and just make it you know throw gobs of money at free agents that are on other teams Mm -hmm. it's another when you don't pay your own guys you drafted and developed and they got to a certain level where you're like, yeah, that's too expensive. Yep. That's a bad, that's a bad principle to set, man. But are you going to, so, so here's my question on Buxton. Byron Buxton's never healthy. Like, like this is not a two year. So like, are you going to pay him what the market, what, what he, because he's going to base, he's going to base his ask on how he plays when mm-hmm. healthy, which I get he probably should. That's a smart move, and so and some team is probably probably going to say, yeah, you know, I mean, look at look at the stats when he's healthy, look at the film when he's healthy. Um, You've been lucky, yeah. Injuries. And if you're the Twins, I, Chip, the thing I keep coming back to is for a fan base that got mad at Maurer, who, by the mm-hmm. way, was not a big precedent of being hurt a ton at that time. And then, um, are you do you really want to go through a contract where where precedent has told you? This guy is you're lucky if you get 120. Yeah. And the thing is, I, um, I agree. I mean, it's it's a it's a tricky one. And here's the thing, and I always thought this and then I you know, I, I didn't really give it enough context, but you know, there's a temptation to say, well, there's no salary cap. Just who cares what billionaires spend? Whether we agree with it or not. Right. Teams set their own payroll based on whatever factors in and we can argue about that too, and they should up their payroll because they're billionaires and they have all this, you know, the new stadium and all that. But this organization has just shown that they're not going to spend with the Dodgers because they don't have the same TV deals as the Dodgers or the regional, you know, some of these other teams that have these huge. Um, I still, you know, I know people think I'm crazy saying that uh, because he's always hurt, but man. If you don't resign guys you draft and develop, it's. I know. It, this is one of the most unique cases I, I I think I can remember, just because of the injury history and because, I mean, you have two very competing things: a guy who's just this unique talent and can be one of the best players in the league, but he's always hurt. And so, what do you do? Yeah, it's just at some point in time, if you pay him and his career continues along the same track. You're not going to be able to re-sign or or yeah. from outside sign other guys because you've got a guy, but he can't play. And and you know, Chip too. 
the Twins can point to, and they, they probably won't publicly, but I mean, the Donaldson contract, which we all loved, you know, Josh Donaldson's going to yeah. play third base, is not working out. It's flat out no. not working out for what you're paying him. And this this is the issue with doing business with the big boys. The Dodgers and Yankees can afford to send guys home and say, we will pay you off, we'll try and trade you, but if we can't, sit on your couch, watch games, and we'll pay you. A team like the Twins, when they're in with, with a guy like J.D., you can't be like, oh, that didn't work out. That's cool. Yeah. That's your guy. And so, <laughs> yeah. so but I mean, this, but the, the, the comeback to cheap poll ads is, okay, they spent. Now they're not going to spend on other guys because yeah. they've got this, what, 35-year-old third baseman who we all thought was a great signing, and it hasn't worked out. Yeah, they, they – they don't have the financial resources to cover up their mistakes like Correct. the Dodgers. It, this is probably foolish, but I do wonder if Buxton's camp will at least acknowledge that he's not always available. Or, or, or I wonder if the Twins will really try to play at that season. Like, you know what? You can try to go on the open market, but you're going to find the same conversations that we're having right now that yeah. teams are going to be reluctant to sign you to a big deal because you can't stay healthy. You know, one one team though, Chip. I know it just takes one. Yeah, like I, the I, Mets are like, okay, we'll we'll take that chance because they can't cover up for you know. Correct. That's the problem. It takes one team because yes. I mean, and and if the Twins, I mean, it's going to be a very tough decision and negotiation. And if the Twins have have a set cap on Buxton, it's hard to blame them. Yeah. Well, no, I mean. You know, I'm sure they they've discussed it internally. Like, this is all we feel comfortable doing because of the injury history. That like, we're not going to go over this because it's just too much risk on our part. Right. Um, but it'll be curious to see what that gap is, how big it is, if there is. You know, but I, but you're right. If I'm representing Buxton, I'm taking in his stats and his play and from that stretch early in the season, saying here here's what you got. You know. Right. If I'm the Bucks, if I'm the Twins, I bring in his injury, and, and this is what we got too. You're, you know, it's a it's a tricky, you know, complicated thing. And if he if he was right now a um, a guy that had turned himself around at the plate a little bit, like let's say he was hitting two fifty five, okay, great defense still. I think the negotiation it would be difficult, but it would be doable. But the problem now is sure. what you just said, which is they're going to bring in what he's done and be like. This is one of the top three, you know, five players in the game of baseball. And the Twins are going to yeah. be like, yeah, when he plays. And the Buxton camp is going to say, yeah, but what if? And what if is now now the key phrase. What if he can play 155? He's an MVP candidate. Yeah, you're yeah. right. This is one of the this is one of the trickiest ones I've ever seen in sports because again, he never stays healthy. This is not like a two-year sample size where it started to go south. This is a guy who you go back to the minor leagues and and had some of these problems. Well, and the uh, concern is, what is he, 27, 26? So it's, you know, when you, when you sign him to this, Judd, you know, when you sign him to a deal, it's presumably going to take him into his early 30s. And if he's been injury-prone through his early 20s, mid-20s, what, what's he going to be, you know, at 32? Exactly. That is the fear, you know. Um, yes. And so, yeah, you know, this is not like you're signing him for one year. This is going to be a, you know, I assume a fairly substantial term to a contract, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, 
but that's another one that's coming up. Um, you know, I know they, what, what do you say? They talked at training at uh, spring training and there wasn't really much update after that. So I don't know if that was just kind of initial lay of the groundworks, but um, it's kind of hard now when he's injured. I mean, you're, you know, Byron Buxton will be 28 years old on December the 18th. So he's no kid. So yeah. So that's the thing is let's say you gave him a four year, five year extension. Now you're into your early thirties. Where do you stand, Chip Scoggins, on the Wolves? And we obviously got word from the ESPN report this week that uh, Glenn Taylor does not have a clause, which he couldn't have enforced most likely anyway. Where do you stand with where the concern should be um, about the future of this franchise? Because it seems to range from a 1 to a 10. I'm probably at (laughs) a 7 because I think that there's a concern. But where – where do you think that this all stands as it plays out? Because it does look like the agreement with um, A-Rod and Lori will be approved. It looks like this will sure. go through. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually writing a column about this for Sunday. Um, I think it's, you know, at this point, I believe no one. Because there's no, we don't know these guys. We don't know what their intentions are. There's no trust. Trust is earned and, and proven over length of time. Do I think they would come in here? Well, here's the thing. It's like, you know, I've, I've seen where, you know, they've said they haven't re, uh, relocation with any of their conversations with Taylor. Well, <laughs> no kidding. I mean, it w- you know, it, that would be the end of negotiations if they did. I mean, no, they're not going to say, hey, you know, we're going to come in and we're going to move this team. I mean, you're going to say all the right things. And so, and maybe it will be, maybe, they, you know, maybe it's true, but, but, you know, you still have to come in eyes wide open on this. Where I think this is headed, Judd, Target Center is what the second oldest NBA arena. Now they got the hundred forty million dollar renovations. What four years ago, five years ago, whatever it was. Yes. But they're going to want a new stadium, new arena. I mean, it's just I, to me that's where this headed. <clears throat> the other thing is, do I think five years from now they're going to say let's move? Well, no, I don't think that because you know I think they're going to give it a shot here and. The NBA obviously wants expansion over relocation because there's billions more to be made off expansion. Yep. But they're not buying this team for five years. Ten years from now, 15 years from now, are they going to be invested in the in the way that Ziggy and Mark Wilf are to this community? Uh, they were outsiders. Now they got a stadium. The Wilfs got a stadium. We don't know how that would have happened. And a practice well, facility. That's exactly right. Um, so I think – they're going to come in here and say all the right things. And I think at some point, you know, I don't know what the, the year is, but that, that arena is not getting any younger and they're going to want a new arena. First of all, I keep saying this. Why would your, why would your starting position, and I'm not talking about you, but why would your starting position be to trust anything A-Rod says? Like, yeah. this guy was a disgraced baseball player. Uh, he lied multiple times. He's now a shark. Uh, and when you're a shark, I, I, I mean, Lori's a billionaire. You don't get to be that rich by by playing nice, by being like, oh, okay, you won't build us an arena? We're happy here. Um, I'm with you on everything that you just said. And I think the question is, if we say we will help you build an arena either back downtown, possibly in the Target Center site, or in the suburbs, they will stay here and it will be great. If we say, hold on a second here, we've built a U.S. Bank Stadium and going back to 2000, the X and Target Field and CHS Field and the soccer stadium, we're done here. 
they ain't going to sit around and be like, well, okay, we'll, we'll build this ourselves. Um, the target center conundrum or problem is the improvements made the outside look cool. Like the outside looks nice now and the concourses are not great, but they're certainly passable. The inside bowl can't be completely redone and, and it has to be, there are more, there are more seats upstairs than there are downstairs. The last time I checked, that's bad for business, right? Uh, <laughs> The suites and clubs are, are, it's impossible to make them what a new building can. So, yeah, this team's going nowhere if we build them an arena, but they're going to come and, and, and ask. And the last thing, Chip, is where I will invoke that the North Star situation in this could be very similar is everyone right now is saying Seattle and Vegas are off limits because they're going to get expansion teams, which is probably true. The North, Norm Green, the reason why he got a free pass to move the team anywhere he desired was because he was going to move the North Stars to Anaheim, California. And if you recall, back at that time, there was a cute little film called The Mighty Ducks. And <laughs> Disney decided that they would pay for an expansion franchise and be the Mighty Ducks, right? Because it'd be great for marketing, blah, blah, blah. The league's like, oh, holy hell, let's get that. And what did the league say? They said, Norm, don't go to California and we'll give you a free pass. Yeah. And so that's the story. But, uh, but, and, and I don't, I don't think the Vikings parallel is accurate because one, they got what they, they were patient, but they got what they wanted. And by the way, they made some threats, right? Like they made some threats and it's the National Football League. So the Wolves and North Stars are a lot more akin than the Vikings are to the Wolves or North Stars. Yeah, and I, I would say just just the general the point I was saying with uh, trying to make with with the Wills is that just in general, forget a Rod his personality and background and all that. The fact that it's someone coming from out of state, there's going to be that they have no ties here. There's going to be that skepticism or that distrust about what do they want to do here? Like why you know you feel much you feel much more comfortable if it's a Minnesotan who's because. They live here. This is their home. They're not going to move it. So just any by nature of being outsiders, New Yorkers, Californians, whatever, coming to to buy a franchise that hasn't been very good, that was last in attendance two years ago in the NBA, you, your antenna goes up and like, well, wait a second. They don't want to be here. Why would they want to be here? I mean, this is a flyover. We're cold. Um, and so you had that normal distrust. And the, and the Wills went through. Think about that when they bought the team. What did we say about them? New York carpet bag, New Jersey carpet bag, real estate. They're going to move it. They're going to guarantee it. Just wait. They're going to move the team. And would they have moved it without a stadium? I don't, we'll never know that. But tried. But that, but that helped them. But I will say they have ingrained themselves in this community and become mm-hmm. sort of a fixture, and they've become really good owners. Uh, they brought stability. Now, obviously, having that stadium, they got what they wanted. Um, so is that – where we're headed with this new ownership group, I tend to think that's what's going to happen. My distrust too here is is the Wilfs were unknowns, but like because of of that, we assumed the worst, and it didn't turn out to go that way. And that that was great. That was fine. My starting point with a Rod is I've seen him before, <laughs> you know him, <laughs> and so I'm concerned <laughs> off that. Like like if this was Laurie and his brother, right? Like yeah. the Wilfs. I'd, sure, I'd be like, sure. well, well, they might move this team, but I really don't know. But I mean, anything that Alex says, I'm not going to trust because no. he's. And that's my problem is like, it, it just 
I'm not saying they're going to move. I have no clue. And again, if they get a building, they won't move. Um, I am saying that I think there's a certain amount of naivety going on in this town about ah, uh, or or the old. Well, who cares? I'm gonna tell you right now. Yeah. You do not want to lose a big league yeah. team. You don't want to no. lose a major big league team. It's a terrible look. Like, and the other problem then is the fans might say, "Good riddance, they're gone." Eventually, you'll start to look for a replacement. It's a lot well, cheaper to keep. It's a lot <laughs> cheaper to keep the current team than it is to look for a replacement. Yeah, no, and, and and yeah, and that's why I say it's it's best to go in and just eyes wide open. Everybody's going to say the best things, the right things right now. I mean, there's no owner is going to step, you know, when they they're introductory. First, they're not going to say, "Good to see you. We love being here. We're out of here in five years." You know, they're not exactly. They're just say everything the right thing. I mean, it's just step you know, up to not the podium. Public. We need a new building. <laughs> that's right. First thing. Is this thing to be here? Yeah, but I'm just saying. Eventually, when you have the second oldest arena in a, and all the things you mentioned about the inside the the Target Center, that's going to come to a head at some point. And why they didn't like when they started the improvements? I said to myself, "Don't even bother with improvements." Um, and I believe Chip that every arena that was built at that time is gone now. The Heat's yeah, original building is gone. Charlotte, the, the original Charlotte, Milwaukee, which, which, by the way, I think Target Center and Bradley Center had a lot of things in common. Um, so, yeah, I think every one of those, aside from Target, is gone now. Yeah. And so it just it's something that's going to have to be addressed. I say fairly quickly. I'm not saying it's going to happen in the first six months. It might be several years, but it's right. going to come. It's going to become an issue. It just is. I mean. We've we've seen enough of these things that you know that's kind of where it's headed. All right, Chipper. Thanks much. Great stuff, man. All right, brother. Enjoy Game 7. Uh, you, you too. I'll talk to you next week. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.